This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the Limitless Keith Lee, and I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Mwah. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 121, our Elimination Chamber 2019 recap. I'm Nick Howell. And after the examples of Tommaso Ciampa and Becky Lynch, I'm suddenly realizing why I keep a crutch in my closet. I am Sir Ian Dangerous, <laughs> and welcome to the show. Uh, first of all, let me say thank you to all of our listeners who joined us in the Busted Wide Open Facebook discussion group live chat during the Elimination Chamber. It was lively. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we had some good one-liners, and we had some great analysis of what was going on, some good emotions. And it was nice It was nice to ride it with everybody. So thank yeah, everybody you, everyone. Everybody was pretty invested. Who joined us. Yeah, oh, dude, yeah. Well, I was invested. I was. This was, a, this was one of the more emotionally investing pay-per-views I, I can remember in recent memory. When was the last time they had you this hooked in the last five minutes of the show? Mm, I got to think. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> it's, what I'm, it's been a while. It's been a while. We've, and we've had some where you, you kind of get invested, but you're like, yeah, but I know you're just going to do what you do, WWE. And that did happen here. <laughs> but at the same time, the emotions that were there felt it was you can even look at the crowd. For an example, of during the end of the main event, just how incredible uh, the final moments of this pay-per-view were. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to that, to that match and to the end of that match, because that is going to be a big part of our discussion today, Nick. But before we do that, we got to do a little housekeeping. Yes, as always, please come over and join us in that Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. It's where you get access to those live chats for every single pay-per-view. Hang out with myself and Ian and many, many fans and listeners of the show as we watch these together. It's a lot and it's a lot of fun. Uh, also, some live weekly threads on all of the main roster shows. Get in on some of that and let people know what you think. We're also on Twitter at BWO Podcast, YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. And if you're a fan of the show, we love our patrons. Uh, head over to patreon.com slash BWO, throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar, or sign up for one of our awesome premium reward tiers to get anything from the ability to ask questions every week on the show for just five bucks or get spe access to special monthly bonus episodes for the $10 tier, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you. Thank you to all of our patrons. We had lots 
of new people signing up throughout the course of February, but we're not done yet. We're not to WrestleMania yet. Nick still needs the Nile wall, but yes, to do we that, we got to get to 20 patrons, and we're currently standing yes. at 14. Yes, it's so close. It's coming. <laughs> it's happening. And it's going to happen. Just when I thought, no, nah, they're not going to show up. This, I'm uh, fine. Uh, I could just make this grandiose oh, claim, no. this, this bold prediction of just, ah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'll put some nice shit on the wall. That's fine. Then they start showing up throughout February, and now we're at fourteen. There's a lot of wall space behind oh. you on your camera, man. When, when we get when we get live again, y'all will see. There's a lot of wall space to put some Nia stuff. We're going to get oh like boy. a life size stand up of her. It's going to be great. Uh, don't forget, also fifty patrons. If we get to fifty patrons, it's ringtone time. We get what? Nia on your ringtone going. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. The dubstep uh, remix. That's right. The dubstep remix. That's correct. That's correct. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into the show and talk about Elimination Chamber. Well, we kick things off with Coach and Doink Ambrose uh, making a return alongside Beth Phoenix, which was a nice yeah. surprise to have at the commentary desk for the pre-show. Kickoff show, pre-show. Which one is it? Kickoff show. Doink Ambrose, I assume you are referring to Not Sam, Sam Roberts. Yes. Uh, of the Not Sam podcast, uh, who now, yeah, I, I think I think he grew a beard to go heel because now he all he does is just give like hot take predictions that everyone's going to get mad at him about online. Uh, yeah, this was, I missed part of the pre-show, I'm not going to lie. I, I missed the first half. I came in somewhere on the time the heavy machinery and the bar were facing each other down. And I was kind of like, oh, that's what they're doing with these guys during this show. Uh, but, uh, you know, honestly, the only real reason for me to watch the pre-show was the Akira Tozawa and Buddy Murphy match. Uh, and aside from that, I can't really think of much that was worth remembering on the pre-show that I, the, of the parts that I saw. Maybe I missed something, Nick. Did I miss something or was that you, match the only reason to watch it? You missed nothing except the laugh track of trying to keep a straight face while looking at Sam Roberts. That was about I, it. I see. So. Well, in that case, let's talk about that Tozawa and Murphy match. It was for the Cruiserweight Championship, once again, being defended on the pre-show. Uh, and not only was it on the pre-show, but mid-match, we decided to have our high flyers start doing a bunch of rest holds and uh, and submission maneuvers so that we could have a picture-in-picture picture, cut over and have a, the New Day give a promo about Kofi Kingston. Mm-hmm. Was, that, was that just insult to injury to do this like it's bad enough that we have these guys working the pre-show for a on a championship match does it just does it define that that 205 live down even more that we can't even have a full uninterrupted match i mean maybe it's maybe it's rhetorical but now that i know what i know that happened at the end of the show i i'm not mad at it because it needed mm. a little bit of hype there to remind people of how awesome tuesday was you mean not kofi that everybody kingston, had forgotten well in case you all didn't watch tuesday smackdown kofi kingston survived an hour in a in a gauntlet match after kind of just being one of the three members of new day for the last few years and, and no one really thinking about the fact this is a multiple title winner in wwe um, he's held every title except for the, the heavyweight championship in WWE. One of the top guys back in 2008, 9, 10. Uh, and people kind of forgot that. And in the last week, you've been reminded that Kofi is kind of a living legend. He doesn't get enough respect. Agreed. Um, my question is, I, I, I agree. I, I think they should have at some point had this 
promo with the New Day putting over Kofi, with Xavier Woods and Big E putting over how important Kofi is. Should it have been during this match, or should they have just cut to it instead of having Coach warble on uh, for however long at the desk? Yeah, so that was going to be my, my second point, was that there was plenty of time of bullshit that didn't need to be heard or didn't need to be you know, paid attention to where they could have cut away to this promo. The, the fact that they did it during a championship match, and, and, a, and a very good one at that, yeah. uh, is, is it's just, like you said, insult to injury. They don't give a shit. They don't care about the cruiserweights. It, you know, it, and what are we, we're, we read into that. We, we, that's what they're telling us we're supposed to think about the cruiserweight division. Ex- is exactly. Away. Thank you. That's uh, exactly it's warm up point. entertainment. Let's get the crowd warmed up. Let's bring all the, the, the little people out in the clown car and honk horns. And uh, beep, 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 beep. Hey guys, look, uh, at the, look at this. It's awesome. Isn't it? Yeah. You hurry up and get to your seats. You, you could call Buddy Murphy a little guy. I'm not saying a damn thing about that. That dude is built like a truck. Uh, but my ass, he's 205. So, right. but, <laughs> but uh, you know, as you said, it was a good match. Tozawa and Murphy are both just fantastic workers. They're really, really good. And once we did get back to the match, we did have a good, solid finish to it, including a really innovative move where Buddy's sitting on the top turnbuckle, Tozawa climbs up there, and Buddy just basically power presses him up into the air, throws him in the air, Tozawa comes down in a Rana and throws Murphy off the top turnbuckle. It was really nuts and showed off how strong Murphy was and how agile Tozawa was. It was an insane move. I thought we were going to get like a sit-out powerbomb press, some kind of press where he throws him up in the air and just jumps off the top rope into a sit-out powerbomb and no, Tazawa reversed it into a Rana and just. I love that they're letting these guys do all the Ranas, the old old school Frankenstein'ers and stuff like that. Because just I, it's some of, one of my favorite. It's it's a dangerous move. Yeah. But especially doing it this way, it was almost like a Keith Lee spirit bomb. He threw him up into the ceiling. Like Akira Tazawa could have grabbed the catwalk. Yeah. And, it was a it was a very cool move. Absurd. A very good match. Um. But of course, as we predicted, Buddy Murphy did pick up the win. Is, is Buddy Murphy too unbeatable? Is, is kind of reminding me a little bit of Pete Dunne at this point, where you've built him up, he's just beaten everybody. He's so head and shoulders above everybody else uh, in terms of presentation and presence and everything else. Who are they going to bring in? What, who's their Walter that they can bring in and say, yes, this guy is actually a contender? Had he not Murphy. signed somewhere else, uh, I would have said it would have been a magnificent return for Neville. Um, <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> but I mean can you that imagine those two tearing the house down of course I can I can imagine Pac tearing down the house with anybody at this point and I might get to see it with anybody which is a great thing but uh, yeah I just don't I don't see anyone on the horizon that they've built to be any not even an NXT well I mean you've said Umberto Carrillo is, is next yeah. in line but they've got so much to do to build him now, too. I mean, you know, and he's busy working with Gallagher and Gulak. So I don't, I don't know, man. I do not know what they're going to do with Buddy Murphy. They got to come up with something by WrestleMania. You know what I mean? They got unless they don't want to have a cruiserweight match, you got to have someone who is respectably able to step in that ring. And we're not going to look at Tazawa and go, "Yeah, you're a former champ, but you're just not on his level." You know, the, so the Neville level. No, I'm sorry. The I had Mur- to. Oh, my God. <laughs> Moving over to the main show. Uh, let's move on. We both got we both picked that one correctly because it was kind of a no-brainer. 
the main show began, and this was a, a bit of speculation as to whether this was going to open the show or close the show. The women's elimination chamber match for the the newly inaugural women's tag team titles that opened the show. Of course, Bailey and Sasha. I'm not saying the name of their team. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. The Riot Squad. Carmella and Naomi, who also have an awful name for their team, which is Fabulous Glow, which is at least better than the Huggin. I'm not even going to say it. I'm not going to say the Bailey Sasha team. Uh, then they had the Iconics, Naya and Tamina, which I guess they're now calling the Samoan Slaughterhouse, which Great. is... I, that's, I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. I'm surprised they're using the word slaughter in PGWWE. That's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm, I'm glad they're using the word Slaughterhouse around two extra, extra large women. You would go there. You I'm, would go there. I'm not, I'm saying it's bad form. I wouldn't use. I wouldn't do that. That's because <laughs> you know. Anyway, you know, it's almost as bad form as something. What was it? Uh, Cole said Nia has a large problem or something like that. Oh, it was bad. Some some awkward play calling there. And then finally, of course, uh, Mandy and Sonia, who I guess are calling themselves Fire and Desire. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Fine. <laughs> um. So Mandy and Sonia and Bailey and Sasha, as we knew from this week, uh, because of the outcomes of some of the matches, they were going to open this, and the other four teams are going to go up into the chambers. Um, and they opened it. What did you think about this match overall, Nick? Um, I have my problems with it. The first half of it was was a, it was pretty botchy. It was it was a little all over the place, and there was a moment where the Iconics, about midway through the match, the Iconics came in and just started taking advantage of everybody being hurt. We, we had about a 30-second flurry of, of spot fest, you know, of just everybody hitting all their stuff, and that was a lot of fun. And I went, oh, here we go. Okay, this, now it's kicking into gear. Yeah. And then everybody ends up on the floor, and the Iconics rush in and just start trying to pin everybody. That was fun. And that, that was, was a lot of fun. That I, I I have really have nothing bad to say about this, other than you know it, it, they were trying to get the little bit of the rust off of this new thing that that they're doing. Because essentially, you had you had twelve women. Am I counting that right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12. Yep, you had twelve women. Wait, one, two, three, four, five. I can't count. I'm away. Twelve I'm women. Wait. I'm away. <laughs> you figure you figured out. We had twelve women in the ring at the same time, and that, that's chaotic. And was, the ability to chaotic. choreograph that enough to not only allow time and allow things to to steep a little bit while all of the chamber pods were were getting opened throughout the course of the match. I don't think we had any eliminations, correct me if I'm wrong, until all 12 women were out of their pods. That's correct. Everyone uh, was in. Uh, actually, no, I think Nia Jackson and Tamina were still in the pod when the Iconics eliminated uh, Carmella and Naomi. And You're then, right. and then the, uh, and then Naya and Tamina came out and destroyed everybody. And the Iconics hid in a pod to try and get away from them. They tore the pod open to get to them, which was a nice little moment. There was a lot. Here's the thing. I agree. There was a couple of moments that were a little awkward, but honestly, going into this match, I expected that none of these women have ever been in an elimination chamber match before. It's a strange format. Um, I know they were taken off of house shows and some TV for the rest of the week just to get used to like to trying to try to work the match out. It's a tough match to work. So I was able to put up with a lot of like little mistakes, especially because they had some really cool spots. They had a, a, a gigantic pyramid uh, superplex. There was some spots up on top of some of the pods. 
um, you know, riot squad. Uh, what was it? Um, Bailey and someone, Sasha someone, had Mandy and Sonya up so, on the Liv top Morgan. of the pod. Liv Morgan, I think, was it, or was it? I think it was Liv Morgan came off the pod at one point. Okay. So, um, but it, yeah, it was overall like it was a lot of really good high spots. I thought Tamina and Nia were used pretty much how they should have been used. Just the big monsters coming in and and tearing everyone apart. Um, you know, nothing nothing too egregious. But ultimately, uh, the real thing to talk about here is the fact that it came down to the final two teams were the same two teams that opened this, which was which was strange. Nia Jax tried to uh, uh, she tried to crush Sasha against the pod, ran through the pod and knocked herself out. And then they pinned Tamina, and then ultimately we got to Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville at the end. And I gotta say. Even though you and I were kind of like, ah, oh, the Iconics could be the team that sneaks in and wins this, the fact that Mandy's been getting such a push lately, one, and two, the fact that, that her and Sonya Deville looked like gold through a lot of this match. They had a lot of fantastic moves that looked great. Uh, I started to believe. I started to be like, man, maybe they really are going to give this to Mandy and Sonya. That would be a huge swerve. It was. I, I, they had me actually wondering by the end of this. I... I agree with you. Um, I want to say that I think the Iconics kind of stole the show here a little bit because I don't. But they're they're kind of running around, yelling, screaming, uh, working together in tandem. The way that they, I think it was Tamina that they double pinned. Um, yes. Billy had her uh, in a lateral press, and um, Peyton comes over and does a bridge with her. I just that was beautiful. So I, I we had a lot of chatter in the uh, in the. Mostly spurred by me, I'll I'll admit. Full disclosure: a lot of chatter in the live chat about teams with real like team names and two different entrance yep. songs versus you know all of this. So I, I I think I'm I'm not mad that the Iconics didn't win because I think they got the best showing out of here. Second, they, maybe only to Mandy and Sonia. Agreed. And actually, they pinned more people than Mandy and Sonia. They they pinned both. Uh, Naomi and Carmella and Tamina and Naya. So they they did look pretty good in this. And I, I agree. This was one thing that we were talking about when we were making our picks was uh, you actually picked the Iconics to win. And I was saying that I thought that was a very real possibility because historically looking back, we're going to look at Bailey and Sasha as being singles wrestlers. And I don't know how long their tag team is going to last. Um, so to have them be the inaugural tag team that wins... It, again, I picked them because it was the boring choice and it seemed to make sense and I wanted to be different from you because you picked the Iconics. But it was the, it was the boring choice. It was the obvious choice. It now makes the, the cycle complete where uh, the four horsewomen were all the first title holders. Charlotte was the first title holder of the Raw Women's Championship. Becky was the first title holder of the SmackDown Women's Championship. And now Bailey and Sasha are the first title holders for the Women's Tag Team Championship. So now they're all on paper basically as as being historical yep so i don't expect them to hold on to those things that long either um they'll they might lose them at wrestlemania but they'll they'll probably hold on to them for a minute i would imagine but if they lose it i hope they lose it to someone like mandy and sonia who've been a tag team since they came up or uh the iconics who've been a tag team since midway through nxt yep you know and even but even mandy and sonia as we were talking about they don't have the unified entrance they don't feel like a team. They feel like two singles wrestlers stuck together. Even the bar, after all this time, 
They don't, as great as their entrance is, they don't have a theme for the bar. It's the two of their themes stuck together. Cesaro's awful opening and then Seamus' badass theme. It's bizarre. Yeah. And it's something I've been on record just despising. Because uh, yep. you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of tag team wrestling. Huge. Yeah. But it, there's, there's, no, there's no cohesity to the faction if you don't do it together. And that's really what sticks in my craw. Yes. Is, it's, is you're making it about the individuals, not the team. And that's the problem is with the mentality of it. And I wonder if part of Vince's issue with it is that he doesn't grasp the idea of two guys being a team that the, the fundamental idea of tag team wrestling is different than the fundamental idea of singles wrestling. You want to present a team as a unified uh, front and, and the way that the match works with the team is just different than how it would work with a singles match. It's gonna. It's going to be a fundamentally different kind of sports entertainment, yeah. and the best tag teams are the ones that grasp that and realize that. The Usos, the uh, the Revival, the Young Bucks. You know, it's supposed to be in tandem. Neither one is bigger than the other. And a lot and, of times in WWE, everyone's trying to figure out who's the Janetti, who's the Shawn Michaels. And the last thing I'll say here, on all, right off the back of what you were just saying, is the only thing I can think is that Vince is trying to build individual brands. If you look at a lot of these superstars. They're all on Instagram. They're all on Twitter. They're all on social media. They're all, they've got their own sponsorships. They've all got their own stuff that they're peddling. You can't do that as well with a tag team as you can with an individual. So even though they're pairing them for tag matches, they're keeping them individual in order to do that. That's the only thing I can think from a business WWE perspective. Maybe that's something Stephanie's doing as the branding officer. Who knows? That's basically what I was just saying. Yeah, exactly that was that they're they're trying to figure out who the superstar is and who's going to be you know go by the wayside. So uh, let's get back to the match though. As we said, Banks and Bailey do pick up the win. Uh, it was it was a I thought a solid ending with uh, with Sasha Banks unable she'd injured her shoulder unable to lock in the bank statement so she used her own leg to to force Sonya Deville to tap out. Ultimately, some good storytelling in the last little bit. I thought it. I thought it finished strong, even though, like you said, it was a little bumpy at the start. Not an exciting finish because we, you know, Sasha Banks and Bailey. Okay, cool. You should have done this last October uh, at the first all women's pay per view, but no, we had to wait what five months more to get what we knew was coming. Yep. But it happened. Everyone gave them a fairly respectful response. Some boos, but uh, they ultimately got a "You deserve it" chant and. They were very emotional about it, so I, I, the go. only thing I, I was disappointed by was that um, Stephanie wasn't there to give him the belts. I think I think that was it was just Charlie running in to do an interview, you know. And all and all credit to Charlie does great interviews, but I, I think that was one of those moments where it would have been nice as 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 involved as she's been in this whole evolution revolution. I think it would have been a nice touch to have Stephanie come out and present the first belts. Absolutely not. I'm so glad she stayed so far. I disagree completely. <laughs> I'm so glad she stayed far, far, far away from this. I think it would have absolutely set people off to have Stephanie come out there and insert her presence on another historical women's event. Just We will agree to disagree. Also, I want to correct myself. I just looked at my notes. The Iconics only eliminated one team, but... Yeah, that's still that's better than uh, what you got from Naomi and Carmella, or even Sonia uh, Sonia Deville and Mandy Rose, who got all the way to the end and didn't eliminate anybody. So, moving on, uh, you picked the Iconics on that one. I picked 
Bailey and Sasha. It was boring. I get the boring point on that one. But we'll move over to a match where you were correct. The Usos versus The Miz and Shane McMahon for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Before the match got started, Miz came out and had an announcement, brought out Maurice, and apparently the genetic jackhammer, has. Uh, they've, they've got another baby going already. She, what she's, the heck? she's been impregnated again. <laughs> oh, my I, goodness. I apologize to one of our listeners. I forget who it was. There was a lot going on. Someone said it's kind of like an Irish... Uh, Irish pregnancy and I was like that's exactly what it is I feel like she just she just popped out Monroe Sky and now she's pregnant good lord it was, it was the week before Wrestlemania remember you thought we thought the Miz was going to miss Wrestlemania yeah. because she was due so it hasn't even been a year my god <laughs> they, oof, they, they're just trying to get it out of the way now uh, but at the same we jest, but congratulations to them. You know, oh, of course, great. absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, Love those uh, guys. But anyway, so the, then the match happens, and it's a, it's actually a pretty exciting match for considering that a lot of people weren't excited about it. Unsurprisingly, these two very talented teams put on a, a pretty exciting match. Shane did some in, uh, his usual insane high moves. I can't believe that guy is the age he is and still doing coast to coasts. Trying to go for two coast to coast, actually just got super kicked out of the second one, and then he gets up what five minutes later and jumps from the top turnbuckle and puts out an USO through the the, the announce table. That was Jesus. The, that just, was the that was the story for this match for me was Shane just being a beast. The dude's coming up on fifty. Come Shane on, be, is Shane being Shane? You know, it, there's yeah. going to be a point where he can't do that stuff He's anymore. Gonna, it's, <laughs> it's it's just it's going to end. Wow. And we're not going to see that. But I, I think it's he's probably got one more sell spot in him. I, I would think. Yeah. All yeah. the Miz. The Miz came off the top rope. The Miz did a, a springboard axe handle. When's the last time we you saw also the Miz do- saw the Miz babyface firing up in the yes. middle of this match? What? Uh, yeah, I, I was shocked. I was shocked. So this, I was ultimately entertained by this match, but I was surprised by the finish, which was uh, Miz put a skull-crushing finale on, I believe, Jimmy Uso, uh, but Jimmy rolled through it and uh, got the one, two, three. I was shocked. I was shocked because I thought this was going to continue for longer, but then after the match, Miz looked just, just beside himself upset while Shane just kind of was disappointed and shook his head, and they they helped each other to the back, and later on in the show, Miz was just screaming and furious backstage, and Shane told him to go cool off. So I guess, Nick, you actually called this. You said that the Usos were going to win, and they were going to start this whole Miz-Shane drama now. I thought we and, were going to get more of it when they were at ringside, and Shane mm. was... Looked like he had just crawled out of a swimming pool, and <laughs> he was sweating. He was sweating. Dude had been. I mean, he had been laying there for a good ten minutes, but dude Man, was sweating. I, I was watching his performance and sweating. So you be damn right, he's sweating. But anyway, after as they sat there, and Shane started looking at him with that just kind of, oh, see, I knew this would happen. Yeah. Kind of look. I was like, oh, here it comes. I, I just, but we didn't really deliver anything. It'll be interesting to see what happens on SmackDown here in a couple of days or tomorrow, I should say, um, because I'm wondering if they're gonna slow play this or if they're really gonna, if we're gonna have some matches between the two of them before we ever get to. I mean, is this gonna culminate at Fastlane so that we can do something else for Mania? I, I, I don't know. I need to see SmackDown for a couple, yeah. of, a couple of weeks to see where they're where they're gonna go with it. 
Well, the fact that they pulled the trigger this soon, I thought they were going to pull the trigger on them losing and starting to break up at Fastlane. So the Dude, fact it's only pulling, 50 days, less than 50 days. Well, we got to go. But I'm 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 saying like may, now they're trying to tell the story a little bit more in a more relaxed fashion. They're letting things happen a little bit more. So that's what I'm seeing here is okay. They they did it this soon. They had them lose the titles this soon and begin this story, this part of the story, because they want more time to tell the tale. So that it's maybe maybe so it's really hot at WrestleMania. That's the only thing I can think. So hey, it is what it is. We uh, we kind of predicted ultimately where the Shane and Miz story was going to go. It was just we disagreed on when it was going to happen. You were correct here um, that it was indeed, it was at this pay-per-view. You're, the Usos, despite despite the arrest the other day of, uh, I believe, yeah, Jimmy Uso, right? It was Jimmy and Naomi, yeah. Yep. And he he picks up the pin. So apparently WWE doesn't mind if you... Curse out a cop. Uh, we are tied at two and two, Nick, going into the next match for the Intercontinental Championship. Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush in a handicap match versus Finn Balor. And there's a lot of discussion on our on our site whether he's going to come out as the demon. Everyone's always wondering when he's going to come out as the demon. Well, they, they, they mess with us because they cut away as Lashley and Leo Rush are coming out. They cut away to do the introduction of all the foreign announce teams. And sure. you're going, and then somebody said, oh, I saw the smoke hole in the stage. Oh, that comes we were, out whether or not he's regular Finn or man, whether man Finn I, or demon Finn. Man Finn. I, I understand that, but there's all these little, we're, we're always looking for the thing, right? We, we want to be right. <laughs> we want to be the ones yeah. that call, oh, I told you it was I a told demon. I told you it was a demon. Um, That's but, the Damon King. Damon, Damon King. King. Damon King, Damon King. I need to have that. Man, that's Seth Rollins' horrible pronunciation of that. I just need to have that on my ringtone. That's, Damon that's King. Your, that, that's your new text text notification. <laughs> Damon King. Yeah. I, uh, I'll go no, I, I, it, you know what? I, th- I sat back and thought about it. And with the, if they wanted to put the belt on him tonight in a handicap situation, it would have been elimination. The venue aside, it would have been the perfect time to bring out the demon. The the way that it was set up for him to be in this kind of you know how do you get over one of the quickest high flyers combined with this one of the strongest men on the roster? The stake and the sizzle. The stake and the sizzle, if you will, Nick. Yes. How do you get over those guys when you're a tiny little man, Finn? You know the the David and Goliath story continues. Now the stakes are even higher. Well, so it's and now it's for a championship match. Right? We mentioned we mentioned earlier how Sam Roberts was kind of trolling on the pre-show. One of the things he said was Finn can't win the big one unless he's in face paint. So that was immediately that's I, that stuck in my mind from the second he said that. Why would he say that? He's not saying anything that they aren't allowing him to say. He's not. He may sound like he's going off script and 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 you know wild westing this, but he's not. This is absolutely calculated on some level that they're trying to get over the fact that Finn just lost to Brock Lesnar but did not bring out the demon to do it. If he brought out the demon against Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush, we'd be screaming, why didn't you bring it out against Brock Lesnar? You bring it out again for this but not that? Whereas now it shows us that Mad Finn can win the big one. Now that being said, he ultimately did pin Leo Rush here and he did it Looking very smart, isolated Leo Rush went on an on an offensive fury, uh, flurry. Excuse me, went on an offensive flurry, and then ultimately pinned Leo Rush and won the Intercontinental Championship and escaped up the ramp. But he pinned Leo Rush, 
not Bobby Lashley. So it still makes Finn look like he's wily, but he's not strong enough to really take on the big guys. So that was one of my questions coming out of this was, I thought it was a bit awkward that you can pin... I mean, why not make it a triple threat and those two guys just don't attack each other? If it's, It felt like triple threat rules in a handicap match. Like, how can you win a title if you don't pin the champion yeah. outside of a triple threat or a fatal four-way kind of format, right? And then on the other hand, it, in this scenario, would Leo Rush have become champion if he had pinned Finn Balor, if this is the case? I don't know. Yeah, it's... <laughs> kayfabe, Nick. Kayfabe, just go with it. They did have a promo before this match, Lashley and, and Leo Rush trying to explain this, saying we're not, Leo was saying we're not worried about it. he's not going to pin me, and Lashley looked a little bit unsure about that, and, and sure enough, his fears came true, and as a result, after the match, Bobby Lashley beat up Leo Rush, uh, which was surprising to both you and I, because we thought they were going to run that Leo and Lashley thing for quite a bit longer, it seemed to be pretty successful. But I guess I guess not. Uh, we both picked Lashley to to win this here. I, I okay. So uh, full disclosure, as I said on the last show where we're doing we're doing our pickums, I'm kicking myself right now because I did think Finn Balor was going to win this. I, I came. You and I switched places over the last two weeks. Two weeks ago, you said there's no way Finn's picking up for uh, no way Lashley's holding to WrestleMania. Finn's picking up the pay per view. And then last week, you you switched your position. And I did the opposite, where I was like, man, they might give it to Finn here. They just might. Why else would they do this and this and this? They're, they're making me think, but I went with Lashley. Damn it. I went with Lashley. But, so we were both surprised by that finish, but what, what's the next plan for Leo now, dude? What are they going to do with Leo? You know, the funny thing is we were talking earlier about the pre-show uh, about who's next for Buddy Murphy, and I think he might be it, if I'm being honest. Really? Yeah, I, th- I think he might be the one. He might be the WrestleMania cruiserweight match against Buddy Murphy. Well, that, they got to they got to rehab Leo a little bit then because he still looks like he can't really win the big ones. He's been losing on two hundred five lives, so I don't know. Because he's about the only one left. <laughs> well, well, how about this? What? Well, how about this? We can't really finish. I'm going to ask a, a question, a leading question that okay. we can't truly answer. We'll okay. answer the first half of it. Uh, and the question is, what is going to happen next between Finn and Lashley? We know there's no automatic. Uh, there, you can't have your rematches, automatic rematches anymore. So theoretically, Finn could now jump to a new feud. What's next for him? Is he going to continue with Lashley here? I don't know. It, it would make sense to because everybody else is kind of busy. But they've been doing a lot of stuff with Mojo. Uh, I've got Mojo on the brain. Does he get inserted into that somehow? Is it too soon? Is it too close to Mania to start something completely new? Do we well, end up with recycling Lashley and, and Finn again for Mania? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm looking at McIntyre. I don't know if because he's not going to be in the universal picture yet. So I, I see other potential feuds there or other potential challengers for Finn. I, I don't think it's going to be Lashley and Finn at Mania. Well, be so because because of what happened later in the show, I'm inclined to agree. Unless they they find some way to make this a big cluster of their of their top like their middle top guys. Um, but I, it's very curious. That upper uh, mid card is really active right now. It's we'll huge. Talk you have a bunch. A you, have, you have a bunch of guys right on the cusp of being main eventers. Yep. So it's and and it's kind of hurting all of them to be stuck together like this. So. I see 
a muddled future for the Intercontinental Championship. <laughs> if you see what I did there, I see. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, moving on, uh, we neither of us got that, but uh, we did. We also completely bungled this next one. I don't know what happened here. We kind of got down our own rabbit hole of thinking with yeah, Ronda Rousey forgot, and Ruby we, Riot. We forgot for 10 minutes that Vince McMahon runs WWE. <laughs> and we got excited that we, we might let, actually be able to book right. an exciting program. Nope, nope. Ruby Riot versus Ronda Rousey. They tried to tell us all week long, don't sleep on Ruby Riot. She could come along and really scare Ronda. Oh, she's, this is her chance. This is her moment. Nope, squash match. It wasn't Ruby. even a squash match. It was a. It was an exhibition to get Charlotte and Becky in the ring with Ronda. Absolutely, that was it. Sha- Ruby was, was completely useless. She was, was. She was an afterthought. I believe yep. is the, is the proper term for it. You had Ruby come out, look like a contender for all of five seconds, and then Ronda beats her down. Charlotte gets in the ring. And everyone's chanting for Becky and booing the two of them. And sure enough, out of the crowd on crutches comes Becky, gets in the ring, immediately starts wailing on Charlotte with the crutches, beats down Charlotte while Ronda sits there with a little smirk on her face. Becky turns around and starts wailing on Ronda, wailing on Ronda. I will say this, whatever our thoughts on the rest of the match... Becky beating down the two of them with crutches was one of the gnarliest things I've seen since actually since Charlotte beat up Ronda with the kendo stick. They are they did not Becky did not hold back. Those hits were coming in hard and fast. And as someone who's been hit with a crutch, I can tell you it sucks. It and she sucks. got hit in the face. Ronda got hit right up on the temple, was bleeding afterwards. She was uh, busted wide open. Sorry, I Charlotte, had to. You had to. Uh Charlotte was busted wide open on the arm. This was just this was just brutal. But Totally, everyone forgot about Ruby Riot. What, I didn't. What everyone just whoop, there, Ruby's gone. That sucks. That really. As here's the thing. Obviously, you and I are biased. We're big fans of Ruby. We think she should. She deserved more. I understand they didn't want to take away from their main program, which is the triple threat at WrestleMania: Charlotte, Becky, and Ronda. Now Charlotte and Ronda have a reason to want to have Becky in that match because they're both mad at her. Becky looks like a badass. She got led away in quote unquote handcuffs. But uh, she was just holding her hands behind her back. There were no handcuffs. Somebody (laughs) forgot the handcuffs. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, But the problem is, is that you and I, as a result, are sitting here going, what about Ruby? What about Ruby? Could you at least have given her some shine here? This, This went down almost exactly how I thought it would, except for the part where they let Ruby Riot look strong coming out of it, or at least get... Get you know, sneak out a win and and wriggle away. Yeah. So what you and I thought was the the right thing to do was to have Becky and or Charlotte interfere in this match, have Ruby look like she was a contender, but then not win and not lose definitively because yeah. Charlotte and or Becky interferes. I mean, you and I both had our different tales as to how uh, you know crazy bookings. We kind of got off on a crazy booking tangent, which we rarely do, and we just both let ourselves go nuts. Do you what do I I, I always do that? <laughs> I'm being wildly sarcastic. You got me down. You you pulled me into your wormholes. What you did, you reeled yes. me in. I see what I see what you're doing. No, so what? But what? What's frustrating is as a result, you and I both expected this to be a happy ending in some sense for Ruby, and it wasn't. They did what we expected them to do. They just pulled it apart more. They didn't have it happen in the match. Ruby got squashed and left. We thought that was a dumb idea because it makes Ruby look like a goon. Well, Ruby looks like a goon. And on the upside, Becky looks like an absolute monster. And 
honestly, like that that was so that was some good violence with those crutches. Yeah. And everybody said that was the stone cold beer truck moment. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's, not. Uh, it's wait. <laughs> it's not happening yet. Just wait. Give it a few more weeks. Well, that definitely a very stone coldy moment of just coming in and, you know, DGAF beat up everybody. So, uh, so yeah, Becky, uh, Becky going away looking like a, but I think her being led away by security at the end who couldn't do a damn thing for the entire time she was whooping up on him. Uh, that was a very stone coldy look to her, but I really do. I'm going to try and make a concerted effort to stop comparing her to stone cold. I just, I really, it's, it is, it is hard, but there was, there was moments I actually felt like it was Daniel Bryan ish, for example, like, uh, when Charlotte and Rhonda were in the ring and the whole crowd was chanting for Becky, it got it reminded me of the rise of Daniel Bryan, where the audience was openly saying, we don't want what you're giving us, except in this particular instance. And, it, you know, it's debatable whether WWE knew what they were doing then um, CM Punk. They also kind of did this, too. Right. Where they they messed with the audience's expectations yep. where they said we know in the, you know behind the scenes they're going we know they're not going to want this let's do this make them want that other thing and then give it to them and that's what they did here so i thought that was in that sense it was well done poor ruby but poor, it, poor it, ruby. it is what we want ultimately is is this this whole feud that is amazing it's 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 arguably one of the best things that's going on right now in in wwe and for the, the near term of the past year or two. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. It, it really, it's very engaging. It's obviously engaging a lot of people. It's turning some people off because I think some elements of it are getting a little bit obvious um, or it maybe feels like it's trying too hard. And that's partly just because it's WWE. And so it's hard to have anything feel genuine. Uh, and when it does feel genuine, they usually bungle it. But we'll get to that match. Uh, so <laughs> next, <laughs> next up, we had Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin in the okay it's happening match, or as it's called in Japan, the special singles match. Right. Was really no, we have no other reason for this to happen other than it's special. Please uh, bring back the hardcore title, by the way. This would have been perfect for it. It would have been nice. I'd, ah, I would love to see the hardcore title. 24-7 rules. 24/7 I want Braun dragging, rules. A, dragging a garbage can of implements, Tommy Dreamer style, down the ramp. Pushing to, a shopping cart like Raven? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'd be down. But this was a no disqualification match. Uh, started off with the kendo stick. Until Braun Strowman broke it over his leg, saying, "I don't need this kendo stick to whip your ass," and uh, and pretty much was Corbin did hold his own against a guy who's usually booked to be an unstoppable monster. So Corbin did look pretty good, but ultimately Braun did get the upper hand until Drew McIntyre came out with a chair. Sure enough, sure enough, with a chair came down, and uh, of course at this point Strowman started getting overwhelmed. And then Bobby Lashley came out, and the trifecta was complete. And Strowman got beat to crap, and then put through two tables stacked on top of each other for the fu- for the finish. Corbin picking up the victory here, as by the way, exactly as I predicted. Mm. Um, but that being said, the big story for me here isn't that McIntyre came out to help Corbin versus Strowman. That, like I said, that seemed to me very telegraphed. What was surprising was Lashley's involvement. As we just said, he just lost the title to Finn Balor. One, what's the logic of him, of him coming out and joining these guys against a guy with no title? And two, where do they go from here? Does, does Strowman pick up a couple of buddies and we have a three-on-three three going into WrestleMania? Does that sound in any way exciting? 
No, it sounds recycled. We've had that. It's it's honestly, I think, a misuse of all of these guys. Yep. Um, and that's kind of what we were saying earlier about the upper mid card being a little bit overstacked and not having enough to do with these guys. And I'll I'll be perfectly honest, the carnage at the end of this match was exciting to me. But what I mean, what do you see? Do you see Strowman picking up a couple of buddies? And if so, who? Well, to go back to your point about Lashley, it's one of the reasons I don't think Finn and Lashley is going to continue. Unless Finn joins this and joins Strowman, but then the Intercontinental title's uh, tighter than this. That's what I'm uh, saying. Yeah. I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> so, this, no, I think Lashley came back out to establish that he's back on Team Corbin. Leo, him and Leo might be done. I think Leo is going to go off, go back to 205 Live. and So that whole experiment kind of worked. Um, it, it got Lashley to a championship. It got a belt. It got him a strap. Yeah, and he, he carried it for, I don't know, a couple of months, however long it was. But at the end of the day, Lashley is needs to be a bruiser, needs to be a henchman, in my opinion. Mm. Um, I, I don't think he can stand on his own, even though he, we've seen him do it before. He just has not shown me or the WWE universe that he's capable, as a face or a heel, uh, of standing on his own. We've seen no no uh, examples of that whatsoever. So I think putting him back with Tim Cor- team Team Corbin is a good move. Let Finn take the Intercontinental Championship off and have some crazy high flyer matches, uh, the likes of him and Seth Rollins. With you who? Know, I, that's what I can't figure out yet. I, I need who? to see what happens in the next week or two. I I so there's a couple of speculations as to who would join uh, Strowman. If he if he needs buddies, obviously Kurt Angle would be someone that they would they would discuss because he's got history with both McIntyre and Corbin. Mm. Um, Finn Balor was thrown out there. That's also kind of, to me not a good option. Dolph Ziggler is still floating around somewhere. He's got beef as well. It would make for some good matches, but it's not the most exciting choice in my opinion. Here's the other one. Here's the wild. Uh, also, oh, sorry, another one would be uh, Bray Wyatt and Harper coming out as faces and joining up with Braun Strowman, reforming the Wy- the Wyatt family. So somebody um, said that in the chat last night, and I got really excited because I could see that happening. I could if, if, they, but, if the light if the lights had dropped on that place last night and Bray popped up on the Tron uh, with Harper and they came down and helped him again, that place would have lost its shit. And it would have been it would have been a good move. There's a, I think there's more rehab needs to be done on Bray Wyatt. I don't know if people are thinking fondly of him right now. I really don't think they are. I think they think of him as a loser. He was. He was. I, I, I think he's he been was away so long ruined. Enough. He was. This would have so been a ruined. good move for him. It it would be, but they they have to redefine him when he comes back out. Really, and and having him be Strowman's running buddy, I don't know if that's going to help him right now. They yeah. have to. They he needs to be rebuilt from the ground up. And I don't think that being on a team with somebody who's honestly whose star is kind of fading a little bit like Strowman's is, then I don't know if that's really the best thing for Bray. But that's the, a fair the, point. The he, final he's one, not the front and center of attention anymore. Is what no. You, yeah. the, the final one, the final piece that I'm looking at and seeing it might be a possibility just because of where it is on the card and how much of a wasteland everything else is, is Kevin Owens. Because he apparently just, given some of his promos he's been giving the last like week or so, he gave one tonight where he was in a car with a, a pizza he was getting for his kids. And what is more of a, of a face promo than saying that pineapple shouldn't go on pizza? <laughs> All right? That's, how, that's when I knew he was coming back as a face, right there. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but no, I could, see, I could see him coming back 
Kevin Owens coming back, and that's how they get him over as a face is put him with Braun Strowman yeah. and have him fighting for Braun Strowman. So, Even with their history, you know, they would have to sure. explain away that a little bit. But eh. Bygones be bygones. Yeah. I mean, it never happened before in wrestling, right? They've totally no, never. You've tried to kill my family and, uh, and scare my, take my wife. You broke my car uh, and you took all my money, left me for dead by the side of the road. But hey, let's be a tag team. It's never happened before. <laughs> Ever. Uh, as we said, I did call Baron Corbin to win this with McIntyre interference. So I pick up the one here. You went for your boy Braun Strowman. But don't bl- I don't blame you. It's Braun Strowman. Never know, but I uh, thought he may have had a, a moment to really just cement that he's the monster again, and yeah. he could take all both of them down, or ultimately all three of them. Nah, it no. didn't work out that way. We've seen this before, and I'm getting tired of it. He's got to lose a lot on the on the road to WrestleMania in order to have the big win at WrestleMania. That's going to be the payoff. Yep. Uh, to me, it wasn't too surprising, but what was surprising was the fact that Lacey Evans showed up and then left. What? Got down to the bottom of the ramp, turned what? around. So the little bit of the the scuttlebutt that I've heard heard or read online from her Instagram page was that it was I don't know why they did this. It makes no sense whatsoever. It makes no but sense. The, the explanation of it that I heard was that Houston was not good enough for a lady. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> That's all right. I thought I, Houston was fantastic. I've for, heard for the record. they were a great crowd. I, I've heard some other. Uh, probably pretty spurious claims as to why she came out and turned around and left. Uh, Such as? Well, uh, one thing was that I believe it was Alvarez from over at Wrestling Observer was saying, was complaining loudly that Lacey Evans had disappeared. Well, she didn't disappear. She went to the main event for the most part. But, you know, she came out and, and had like a huge presence at first and then just gone. And this was the WWE's way of trolling Alvarez and saying, here she is. Okay, there she's gone. See, but she was on your TV. Uh, which to me just sounds like a ridiculous, they're not going to give two craps about a journalist, even one who's as venerable as Meltzer and Alvarez. Uh, I don't think they're going to do a whole segment just to, you know, thumb their nose at them. Um, The other thing I heard was that she's due for a push, but that was by, I think it was healbynature.com said that, and they're about as reliable as something written on a bathroom wall. So, you know, take that for, oh, oh, she might be up for a push. Really? You think? Because she's tall and blonde and they just called her from NXT. You think she might be up for a push? Jesus, I could write those headlines. So, yeah, nothing too concrete as to why this happened other than just to remind us that Lacey Evans exists. I, um, I, I needed no reminder. I know. How about, how about have her have a match or cut a promo? Right. What the actual hell? I do know that uh, it has been reported that they changed... The running of the show, like how the like the, the order of the show and what was going to happen on the show mid show. So maybe she was due to do something and they were running late and just had her go out and come back. But why not just cut the whole thing entirely? Made no sense. Yep, I agree. Made no sense. Uh, fine. All right, it was time, Nick. We got to talk about the men's elimination chamber. Yes. Uh, for the WWE Championship, opens up with Daniel Bryan coming out and uh, cutting another great promo. As uh, as he's coming out, and then as Rowan is led away by the officials, told he can't be out by ringside, which I thought was a good call. No distractions necessary. Rowan shirt watch. Rowan shirt watch. Uh, we had a hard time identifying what shirt Rowan actually had on, but you, sir, did Heilung. some investigative work and found it. Heilung. Yeah. Who is Heilung? I, dude, I've I do not know. I'm pretty <laughs> up on my metal bands. 
I'm pretty I'm pretty uh, well versed on metal, and he found one that stumped me on like his fourth attempt. Well done. Yeah, uh, I love how yeah. they just continue to get more and more obscure. You know, <laughs> I'm wondering when we're gonna get to some of the really crazy ones. Like, there's well, there's one in in Europe called some a prostitute dismemberment or some, just some crazy Somehow, stupid. That one's not gonna make TV. But uh, just, I don't. I'm wondering gonna, how no. obscure we're gonna get with these. Uh, with these me- crazy metal band shirts. So far, I'm seeing him stick to mostly like Viking metal and folk metal. I would be shocked if he went to grindcore. Uh, yes. that, w- that would definitely shock me. But anyway, <laughs> we, we, we digress just a little bit. Uh, so no, the men's elimination chamber, uh, we knew it was going to open up with Daniel Bryan. And uh, let's see. And also, I believe, who else was the first one in there with him? It was uh, Samoa Joe. Oh, Samoa Joe. Orton, Hardy, Kingston, and um, I don't remember who the fourth was in the cells in the pods. Yeah, it was. uh, It was. Let's see. Kofi came out third. Then then Jeff Hardy. Then AJ Styles. And then Randy Orton. Uh, It was. Man, this was. uh, Can I just before we before we do this before we do this? Sorry, AJ Styles. Then Jeff Hardy. Then Randy Orton. Before we get into this whole match, let me just say right off the bat. This may have been, top to bottom, one of the best Elimination Chamber matches I've ever seen. Agreed. Every phase of this match was exciting for a different way, for a different reason. Just, my, my God, Daniel Bryan versus Samoa Joe at the top, uh, who I don't, I have to double check, I don't think they've had a match, like a real one-on-one match, since like Ring of Honor. Like this, I forgot how awesome these two guys are. They just, they don't care. They want the other guy to hit them as hard as they can. And they did. My God, my <laughs> God, they hit each other. And I mean, Daniel Bryan's chest uh, was hamburger. It yeah. was hamburger by five minutes into this match. Right. And Samoa Joe was, he didn't escape either. He had a pretty pink chest as well, but they beat the crap out of each other. Another bunch of great wrestling maneuvers and, and counters. And it was fantastic. Uh, Kofi Kingston came out to a huge ovation and, uh, he did a bunch of high spots and, and just a bunch of great back and forth. And then let's see, we had, um, AJ Styles came in, whooped everyone's butt. Um, ultimately let's see, uh, Styles took out Samoa Joe with a phenomenal forearm. And then, um, there was that great spot where, uh, AJ Styles was lying across the top turnbuckle and Jeff Hardy, we knew he was going to do it, did a swanton off the top of the pod onto AJ Styles. But then as he was getting back up to take advantage, ate a running knee from Daniel Bryan and got uh, got taken out. AJ Styles then went for a phenomenal forearm off the top rope, but ate an RKO for his troubles. He was taken out by Randy Orton. And then Kofi Kingston. Trouble in Paradise took out Randy Orton, and this was when everyone started to go, "Oh, what are they, are they going to do it? Are they <laughs> what? What?" So, as we said, Kofi has this enormous groundswell of support right now. And in the in the course of one week, they took a guy who was a third member of a Freebird style tag team who has been doing nothing but goofy stuff with pancakes for the last few years. And reminded us that he's a top-tier WWE superstar. In a week, they did this. In a week. And all of a sudden now, it's him and Daniel Bryan at the end of this match. And the two of them put on a clinic 
in how to tease the audience into thinking that either man could realistically win. And not only was the storytelling absolutely brilliant on both of their parts, this reminded me what a genius, an absolute genius, Daniel Bryan is in that ring. The, his, his storytelling, the way he paced the match with Kofi, his reactions, Kofi kicking out of the running knee and Daniel Bryan's reaction was... At like 2.999 seconds. The whole thing was a work of art. Yeah. The, the, oh, that kick out had me broken. And then Daniel kicking out uh, of the Trouble in Paradise had me... had ah, uh, He totally had me. I, there was I, my, my favorite part of the match was the two of them were up on a pod and they were trading turns, slamming each other's heads into the plexiglass, which I don't think anybody should be slammed into plexiglass that high up because it will break. <laughs> it, that shit does break. Um, I, I've seen it plenty of times. You throw a 200-pound man into a thing at speed, he, it's going to break. It'll, it'll crack and buckle. But there was this tension the entire time of, don't do it! Think of your family. Yeah. Think of your fans. It was it was it was some of the most emotional uh, WWE watching main main roster WWE watching I've had in in months if not years. It was it was a very very high energy end of this match. Uh, I would have to go back and look to find something that was that hit me like this. Daniel Bryan going the, running the gauntlet to win the championship at, at Mania. It, it, that's that's what I go back to. It, yeah. It's another Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan does emotion. Heel or face, better than anybody in in modern wrestling, so as far as I, I'm concerned. I agree, and he he abs. That's what I'm saying. He's a genius, and Kofi showed us again how incredibly good he is, how underrated he has been for a long time now. The thing I want to talk about with this is ultimately, Kofi ate a second running knee, and the pin for the one two three, and even Corey Graves called it out. Took the air out of the whole building, sucked the air right out. We both called Daniel Bryan to win. We knew that it just made more sense to keep it on Daniel Bryan. Uh, you don't want to, to cut his reign short just yet. He's got the new yeah. belt and everything. It doesn't make sense. It's, look, it's looking at long-term booking. And to have Kofi win would be very short-sighted. You'd have to have him drop it back to Daniel really soon, which would not be a good look for Kofi, but it would give the fans that one moment. But they did. They stuck to their guns. They didn't turn the ship, and they kept it on Daniel Bryan here. Do you think that Kofi got two over with his gauntlet match on Tuesday and that as a result, it made too much of a high fan expectation for Kofi to win here and ultimately, because it really pissed people off when he didn't win. A lot of people were pissed. You know, that's fine. Be pissed. That's part of being a fan of WWE. I'm pissed every week about something. (laughs) Seriously. Tell me, tell me, uh, tell me, you're, tell me, you can't find one thing every single week that you go. God damn it! That's why we have this show, Nick. Right? It so, literally so we, sitting here go, Well, we this was good, we, but this sucked. They could have done this better. But I love this. So, we, two years ago, we started a podcast because of that very phenomenon. Yeah. So, especially crowds that are wholly invested into uh, a movement, but it, it's too, it's too soon. It's too new. Now, if they're smart, they figure out a way to split off the new day. And they, we end up getting because I think it's time for that. But well, it's, they're still so over, it's hard to do. WWE, yes. And WWE has a bad history of mishandling momentum. Whether you look at, you know, just in the recent history, you look at what they did with, with Rusev Day, for example, where they didn't capitalize when they had it. And then when they tried to capitalize on it, Nakamura, 
You know what I mean? They're, they're not good at taking people that are hot and using them appropriately. And I worry, I worry that that's what's going to happen here with Kofi. Broken Hardy, another example. You know? oh, oh, God. Jeez, oh, don't stop. Oh, that was partly because of the owl. But uh, an anthem not giving up, you know. the Should have just but, done it anyway and written the check. Well, you know what I mean? Something like that. But... Uh, that being said, I, I wonder if this It's not like was, they had the money to deal with it in law and court. That's true. They could have broken impact if they wanted to. But yep. that, that, here's, the, here's my feeling here was that I almost wonder, like, I wonder what, what the reaction backstage was to this reaction to Kofi. You know, did they, did they change this match to give Kofi more of a face look at the end? Because, man... The way they scripted the end of this, it really made Kofi look like a million bucks. He, he was manning up at one point, telling Daniel Bryan to kick him some more. He could take it. Um, the one question I had was he, he got a rope break at one point when Daniel Bryan had him in the, in the LaBelle lock. He had a rope yeah, break. Yeah, we need to talk about that. Well, I don't know if there's much to say other than that may, like, I haven't gotten a definitive answer. It's supposed to be no, no DQ in the Elimination Chamber. I believe there's no rope breaks, but... Someone correct me in our Facebook discussion group if you know otherwise. I haven't been able to find anything one way or the other. So that was odd. And it was just silly. Why do a rope break spot like that in the middle of a match like Elimination Chamber? I, I just it didn't it didn't make sense on several reasons, regardless of whether it's legal or legit or not. Well, I mean, they could have just had him use and the I didn't rope see to the ref the saying break it off. Daniel Bryan simply fell it. fell off and broke the hole. Yeah, but at least show Kofi like using the rope to 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 change you know his to, to give him uh, some leverage to get out of the move or something something that would be lo- right. I don't know. It's it's a nitpick. It's a, it's a little nitpick. But the bigger the bigger issue here is WWE allegedly, according to what they were saying back in December, we're now going to listen to the fans. Really? Because the fans really wanted Kofi to win here. And I guess we just said we understand why they want to stick to stick to their guns here. They have a big plan. They don't want to turn this ship so suddenly. But was there an elegant way for them to listen to the fans, give Kofi that moment, really make their fans super? Because that would have really made a lot of people very, very happy if Kofi had picked it up here and then Daniel Bryan had found some scurrilous way to get it back in the next couple of weeks. And it would have gone a long way towards you know inclusion if we want to talk about um, social type of issues. Uh, the uh, month that we're, yeah. you know, so hear, hear me out. There's been a lot of, angst over the last over in recent years if not all the time about um the lack of people of color representing championships in in the wwe yeah. uh, bobby lashley winning the the intercontinental championship was was a big deal because of that um it's it not only because of that but it was it was a thing it was a talking point sure. kofi kingston here during february black history month winning the wwe championship regardless of the term would have gone a long way to, to really solidifying, no, okay, we're listening. We hear you. Yeah. Um, th- I think it would have been a good move. And like you said, could have flipped it back in a couple would of it, weeks. You know? Well, would, would, would that have been suspect, though? It's like, hey, yeah, we gave it to we gave Yeah, it but to you Kofi. can't have it both ways. You, we gave you know, it to Kofi for a couple of weeks. Okay, February's over. Okay, put it back on Daniel Bryan. It's, you know, you, you can't, <laughs> so. listen, you get into this argument anytime, and it's, it's, it's touchy. It's a touchy argument. You can't have it both ways. You don't get to say you... Oh, well, we want to be inclusive. We need more people of color as champions. But at the same time, we want but to dictate. Right but not yet. But not yet. But not, yet. Not, 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 not right now. We'll, we'll do it eventually. We'll get to oh, it. Oh, you, you only did it because of our... our, our. Yeah. No, you, you, don't, you don't get to say it. But anyway. I, I'm curious if they will, though. I'm curious if they'll look at Kofi after this and say, man, we really could have something with him. 
you know, people are already talking about him now being Daniel Bryan's opponent at WrestleMania. You know, we've always been saying AJ Styles is the most likely, but dude, if they build Kofi the right way over the next two months, he absolutely could be a stunner match with Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. And we just watched them wrestle twice in the last week and both times be fantastic together. You know, I, I still think it's the Miz, uh, but at the same time, nah. I, I th- here's the problem: we're less than fifty days away from WrestleMania. Yep, less than fifty. Not enough time to turn Miz towards Daniel Bryan, says I. Oh, Kofi, for that matter, yeah. they did that yeah, in a week. So, Kofi, anyway, no, they they built Kofi up from a mid card tag team guy to a main Point event guy. I was trying to make. Go on is that things are already so in motion. I'm not saying you can't make hot shot changes because Vince has proven us wrong multiple times on that. Every level. every week. <laughs> um, but it, it, things are kind of in motion, it, very much in parallel across the board. And I, I don't think that most of the stuff is kind of set, you know, in general for Mania at this point. And I don't know if, uh, at least they, I think they know, I don't know if we know everything that they know, obviously, but could we they fly, could could they swap Kofi Kingston into a championship match at WrestleMania? If they think it will make more money, yes, absolutely. I don't know if that being the the event is going to be the thing that makes me buy a two thousand uh, dollar WrestleMania package to go to the event. If you were a member of that crowd in Houston, you absolutely would have would have paid to see that, given how hot they were for Kofi. If you make people think that Kofi might take that title off of Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Absolutely, people. Like, given the reaction he's been having, yes, I think that is the case. Uh, whether or not Vince thinks that is really, though, of course, what's going to happen. Like, does he think AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan is a bigger money match? Or is he going to look at Kofi's reaction and say, you know what? This actually might be a bigger deal right now than AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan. And that's just a, the. It's going to be speculative. It's all up to one guy yep. as to whether or not that happens. Well, it's also up to everyone who wants to go lobby that one guy and try to change his mind, but ultimately the decision rests with Vince McMahon. But one last thing I want to ask about this. Do you think that this Kofi booking was originally meant for Mustafa Ali? And if so, was it better that Kofi did it Um you know, was it like better? It's better for Kofi. Would it have done more for Kofi. Would Ali have been able to to get this kind of reaction? I think he would. I think he to. I'll answer the last one first. Yes, I think he would have been able to get that kind of reaction, but not to the let. It's a different kind of reaction. I'll, we're always excited when we see new superstars get a true opportunity and they come in and tear the house down. Ali has done that a couple of times already. Sure, uh, pinning some of the top guys. So he, I think he's made that stamp already. I think that what people are excited about is someone that is mostly overlooked, yet has a grand legacy already in WWE, is, is finally getting an opportunity at the big belt. And yeah. I think that's what people... It's a different kind of thing. Do I think Ali could have made it as exciting? Absolutely. Do I think it would have been as, as emotional? No. It's emotional because it's Kofi Kingston. I'd, I'd agree with that. I think people invested more with Kofi. I think it would have still been exciting with Ali, but I sure. think the I think the emotion that we all felt for Kofi, I think, put this over the top for me. It, it raised it an extra couple of points. And that's what made that match exciting. Yeah. It was the emotional... Because Ali and Brian could have come in and delivered a technical masterpiece, and it would have been beautiful. 
but it would not the the emotion and the crowd investment and fan investment even on our parts is what made that match as special um at least the final two in that match and the Tuesday match as special uh, as it has been all week agreed absolutely agreed so and I, but ultimately I, I'm thinking We'll see what happens with Mustafa Ali if they think he's injury prone and they don't give him another shot or if they do and he ends up being okay. We may look back on this and say this was the moment Mustafa Ali's career took the wrong turn. We may say it was the moment that Kofi's took the right turn. It's definitely a pivotal moment. It was a big deal. And even though Kofi did lose, I'm very curious to see what they do next. So, Nick, that was Elimination Chamber. Uh, ultimately, in the pickums, I got four right. You got three right. Pretty Once close. Again, pretty close. We're usually pretty close these days. We both took a couple of risks on this one too, and um, yeah. some of them paid off. Some of them didn't. Ironically, the times I didn't take a risk risk were the well. Let's see. I didn't take a risk one time, and it was good. And I didn't take a risk another time, and it was bad. I don't know. I, I've learned nothing now. Uh, but yes, once again. Your boy picks up the victory. It's all right. WrestleMania's coming. Nick will finally get his one a year, and uh, everyone will be happy as a result. Overall, overall, how do you feel this pay-per-view was, man? Very good. Yeah? Solid solid A-. minus. Huh. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this pay-per-view end-to-end. You I would I would give it the a Lacey B+. Evans thing was weird. <laughs> the, the Ruby getting... The, negative marks are only going to come from what they did with Ruby and what they did with Lacey. Uh, other than that, I, I really have nothing bad to say about this. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a fantastic pay-per-view. There was a lot of stuff in it that was just fine for me where I wasn't blown away, but I also wasn't disappointed. And so that's why I kind of docked it a couple extra marks. But that main event was amazing. Uh, the men's elimination chamber was amazing. Uh, I thought there was a bunch of other good stuff through the show that I really liked. Ultimately, nothing felt completely useless except for the Lacey Evans cameo uh, and the Ruby Riot match. But, well, the, but uh, but yeah, I, I agree. Solid, solid pay-per-view. Hopefully we get another one of this quality before WrestleMania, and then WrestleMania is able to pull it off too. But uh, yeah. they have a, lay, a lot of work to do still, and there's certainly, hopefully, some surprises in store uh, because there's a lot of stuff that looks like it's just on rails heading into WrestleMania, and I really hope that's not the case. So if I'm looking at this right, the only belt that changed hands was Finn getting the Intercontinental. Is that right? Uh, no, and the SmackDown Live the Tag Team Championships, and there was a new and women's the and the new women's title. Title. Oh, that sure, was, I wasn't counting that one. Though. That was the, the one thing yeah. I was saying we were making our picks. Was I'm looking down all this and saying, well, the Miz isn't going to lose. Miz and McMahon aren't going to lose their titles, and Finn isn't going to get hit the title. And I said, well, I've got to pick somebody to pick up a title, but I didn't do it on either one. Okay, I'll do better next time. I'll do better next time, I promise. Well, guys, there you go. There's our recap for Elimination Chamber 2019. As always, come over and join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. We'd love to have you guys in there. The more, the merrier. You can find us at facebook.com. I believe it's slash group slash Busted Wide Open. Send us a join request. We'll get you in for some weekly commentary across all the main shows and live chats on Messenger for all of the members of the group. But you have to be in the group be a part of those. You can also find us on Twitter at BWO Podcast, YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash busted wide open. Or and if you love this show and you want to show us your support, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of our awesome reward tiers. We need six more 
Had we had 20 patrons today, Nick would have to put an additional piece of tchotchke or swag yeah. on the forthcoming Naya Shrine uh, that would have been Ian's choice. Mm. So because we're only at 14, we're not starting yet, and I'm still over here just kind of la-di-da, twiddling my thumb. Now, is if it, you want to get it, in it on that. Things, hold on, Nick. Hold on, Nick. Is All it right. one of those things where like, if you win, you get to take one off? And then I if thought I win, about that. If I win, but, I get to put one on. So it's just gonna. It's so basically the way it works around here is I'll just fill your entire wall. Is that how it's gonna work? Yeah, well, I'd like to put some other stuff on the wall in my beautiful studio that I've I've built and spent a lot of money putting together. Besides Nia Jax, she's not getting an entire wall, but I'll make sure that it's in like background eyesight of the camera. Right, not in the getting not getting an entire wall yet, yet, yet. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn that! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.